Parents strongly cautioned, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some materials that many parents would not find suitable for children. The programs may contain intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language and suggestive dialogue. Hey guys, this is Monica Rial and you're listening to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. Oh yeah. Hello and welcome to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me today is... Pulp Skrillo, the founder of ToonamiFaithful.com. And... ASM Rod Derail Maddox. And, back by popular demand... Thank you, your wonderful data monkey, Cold Earth. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did so many of you guys complain about Cold being on the fucking podcast? What the hell is that shit about? Man, fuck Cold being on I... the podcast. I, I, I still want to know who kept sending all those Ask FM stuff about <laughs> that whole, like, wait, Jose gets fired and now they want me on? What? The, who, who was doing that? Why doesn't why doesn't Colt get to host the podcast? Why doesn't oh, Colt God. record the podcast? I'm like, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm honored, people, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Let's leave that to the professionals. That would be us. Anyways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have... I don't want you all to think that I'm giving in to demands of terrorists. Well, now that you said that, yes, you are. <laughs> you gave in to criminal Oh, but I could always cut it out now, couldn't I? Yeah. Oh, that's true. true. That'd be kind of funny. Every time Colt says something, you put a bleep. <laughs> He's going to cut it out like a circumcision. <laughs> no, oh, no, no. Well, we've got quite a big show for you today. We have a very special guest, Monica Rial, later in the show. And to kick us off, we have an exciting announcement. Yes, and just before I let Darrell talk about that, um, I uh, Facebook slash tweeted all of you that uh, we got somebody for March. And uh, you can thank Mr. Darrell Maddox over here for it. So, uh, Darrell, if you'd like to take the floor. As you know, the head samurai is a man of his word, and I do keep my fucking word, you fucking sap suckers. We will be having Michelle Ruff on March 10th on the podcast. So get off my fucking back. Woo! Woo. Yeah, that's right. Hot on number 33, bitches. So Ketsui! God. And this is going to be... See, I think this is the second girl that we've had this year. So you people can't bitch anymore about why aren't you having your voice actresses on your podcast? Shut the fuck. It's no longer October, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> so. You can suck my schniz and grubbing. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, so she'll be on March 10th. So the episode that comes out that week will feature her, obviously. So dumb fucks. Speaking of Oktoberfest, this week's Space Dandy had pretty much no girls in it at all. This is true, actually. I just thought about that, yes. It didn't have any boobies in it, either. No, no but, it, but it had bare chests. <laughs> that kind of chest don't count, man. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Since we're getting into this, let's do a proper introduction. Let's get into the Space Dandy recap right now. Space Dandy Episode 6, 
The War of the Undies and Vests, baby. Now, this episode of Space Dandy had animation, direction, story drafting, and designs by Michio Mihara. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right. Uh, Tsunami connection to that was the character designer and key animator for Kickheart and directed animation for Paranoia Agent and was the key animator for Princess Mononoke, among other Studio Ghibli films, as well as two Naruto films. The screenplay of the Japanese was done by Dai Sato. Uh, he did the series composition for Eureka 7 and also wrote scripts for Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, and Wolf's Ring. On the American side of the production, the head writer, as always, is John Bergmere. The script writer is Patrick Sates, who brought us such wonderful words as chesticles and hippocrats. And the ADR director, again, is Zach Bolton. Okay, the basic summary of this episode of Space Dandy is Dandy and Meow and QT are flying around looking for more aliens, and they stumble upon a planet where there are two warring factions of different aliens, some known as the Vestians, who only cover their chest in clothing, and the Undies, who only cover their buttocks. Right. Dandy and Meow end up being on separate sides of this conflict and get the inside story from both aliens who don't quite remember why they're fighting in the first place. Kind of like every war in the world. At some yep. point, just forget why. Yes. Their goal, of course, is to get them to resolve their conflict and both come to the registration center so they can get mucho bucks. But things don't go as planned, and eventually, well, spoiler, they die. Not not our heroes, actually. Our heroes are alive at the end of this, but the other two aliens do themselves in. Go figure. And, and Space Age, Romeo and Juliet type shit. No. Not even no, a little bit. Not at bit. all. Not <laughs> at all. Oh, that was... I'm just being an asshole right now, dumbass. Well, you're pretty good at it. <laughs> Continue, Sketch. Well, that, that's the summary of the episode, man. <laughs> well, let's not forget the wonderfully animated musical moment where he's dandies flying on the space board at the very uh, end of everything yeah i did like the animation in this one that that was definitely really good i thought it was pretty cool man hey nothing like surfing the damn cosmos in your underwear man on blowing up planet though i am disappointed in the lack of boobies female boobies oh, and the female booty hey look here dude those are two parts of the female anatomy i love looking at dude they're just so round the and cylindrical. And it's like a rotunda, dude. You get it for the majority of Toonami, so what the hell do you need it in this freaking show? <laughs> Look here, man. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Do we need to take you to, like, a boob AA meeting or something? No, but can we get alcohol out there, this? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm done, man. You know, let me, let me get a drink or Cole, what were your thoughts? And then I'll do mine in a minute. Uh, it was it was very enjoyable. I mean, it was it was just funny just to watch the whole the, the whole split down the middle over something as frivolous as clothing. Although I, I honestly have to admit, um, the voices for the best for the Vestian and the Undies, Sunny Straight and Barry Yandel, I, I have to give them kudos for being able to talk in that broken English that entire time. <laughs> yeah, 
That was yeah. That was very very good work on their part. I, agree. I mean, and, and 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 honestly, it was just like, how stupid can this get? Oh look, they killed themselves. Well, we <laughs> have seen that one coming, folks. Self suicide. I love that. Hmm. <laughs> Spoilers, they died. Suicide. True, and then they made matters worse after that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, because they set us up the bomb. <laughs> yes. Yep. Two set us up the bomb, which resulted in a... But luckily, <laughs> Dandy, as he mentions early in the episode, is a kahuna and can ride the space waves. Oh, yeah, he rode those waves, baby. Yes, he did. Um, That's what amuses me when uh, noticing that Dai Sato was the series composition for... Uh, Eureka 7. <laughs> like, oh, I wonder where I got that idea for flying surfboards. I was going to say that, yeah. It, it kind of felt like a, a episode of Eureka 7, so... Well, no, not not really. Well, that, that one part. That, that one, one part. That one part. Yeah, he was lifting in space. He was lifting. Do, bro, do you even lift? Well, I lived all right. But so shame for mentioning that meme. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Sonny Strait, who we, we had on the podcast recently, uh, the original voice of Tom and also the voice of Usopp and Krillin, among others. It's great to hear him as the Vestian, and Barry Yondo was the uh, voice of the Undy, and you've heard him on Toonami as the Little Red Demon on Soul Eater, and you didn't necessarily hear him in episodes of One Piece, but he's Mr. Bond Clay on One Piece. Thank you, Sketch, for that One Piece knowledge. You one are piece. welcome. So a and couple of One Piece, piece actors. Well, everybody Funimation works it <laughs> works on One Piece, really. But uh, yeah, that was that was great. They they were both really fantastic, and <laughs> the delivery of those lines were oh man, yeah, <laughs> chesticles <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> that is a word that will live in infamy. That it just. Jim was right, yes. That is a word we just have to keep in our repertoire. Chesticles. <laughs> yes. Dude, it is much scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both sleep in love bed? Oh, God. Yes. Take oh, it to the sketch. The dialogue in that episode was so funny. <laughs> so bra- bravo to the actors and also Patrick Seitz for coming up with that nonsensical speak. Yes. Which yeah. somehow makes sense. About enough to know that, that Meow was glad that he wasn't rocking the skivvies. Don't touch his beetle jewels. It's definitely a, a dramatic difference from the uh, last episode, which was very heartfelt and serene. Yeah. <laughs> now, this one was just ridiculous. Ridiculously funny. Any, any other thoughts, guys? Um, well, I was just going to say, basically, you know, like, I, like I've been saying, the animation was good. The um, <laughs> This was a hilarious episode. Um, and, you know, the, 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 I do have to say, like, the broken English. I don't know if I could have done that as a voice actor, my, if I were a voice actor. So I, that's pretty good. So, Dude, um, if you listen to enough Jamaican people or people from the islands, period, man, Patchwai is nothing but broken English. I and I be watching Space Dandy, man. No good for none of the clot, blah, 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 clot. <laughs> I'm not going to even get there. Trust me, I had to get pissed off to speak patois. Or get drunk. No, I'm very intelligent when I'm drunk. 
Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Sketch, we need to get your thoughts. Oh, well, my thoughts was it was very funny. It was, it was hilarious. That's it, Sketch. It was just very funny. That's all you had to say. It's a, it was I, hilarious. I it filled me okay, with mu- many laughters. Okay, many laughters I'll take. Much scandalous with chesticles. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a hypocrite and not like this episode. God. So should we get to the tsunami talk back? Yes. So not nearly as many as last week. So. <laughs> that's our fault because we didn't really tweet out to do some, but continue. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, regarding uh, th- this one, I'm actually going to answer because I looked up the answer. Uh, at Jim George Baker asks, is there a manga for Space Dandy? And yes, in Japan, there is a Space Dandy manga. It's published in Square Enix Seinen magazine, Young Gungan. So do it Gungan style. Gungan style. At MXA Ghost says, funny and yet weird episode of Space Dandy. Uh Uh-huh. At Mike (laughs) Jin X89 says, I found myself playing Days from Eureka 7 in my head when Dandy went sky surfing. At Red Train Claire says, The ending was especially nice this week, but I did start to get a little bit tired of the underwear jokes. There was a lot of <laughs> underwear jokes in that episode. <laughs> but that was the point. It was point. the word between the undies and the chest. I don't... Yes. You know, honestly, I don't get vest. Why, why vests? Should, should it be the, the undies and the shirts? Um... I don't think we're supposed to get it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I I pretty much stopped trying to guess what Dandy was 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 accomplishing after about episode three with the boob monster. It's like, yeah, this is just going in its own fashion. So, well, let's just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. They're all just, you know, every episode's just a. It's just a moment in space with the Dandy guy. Just a moment in space with the Dandy guy. And usually, it's, weird stuff happens. <laughs> No, weird shit happens. Not stuff. Weird shit. Uh, multiple people were making the uh, observation that uh, Disney ducks are, in fact, Vestians. And Mickey Mouse is an undie. <laughs> Jesus. It's the truth, though, man. <laughs> Doing the no pants dance. Dooby dooby doo. No pants dance. If you remember that, you had to Disney. I, I think I have to mention the word bubbles in this. Yes, definitely bubbles. bubbles. Okay, uh, at you who underscore dude says tentacle jokes aside, I'm I'm not sure why. Another great episode of Space Dandy. Unlike Namek, Planet Eden actually did explode in five minutes. There's your TC reference for the podcast. I was not gonna dignify that with an answer, man. Fuck you, who <laughs> dude? You do follow me. I will kill you for that damn DBZ reference. <laughs> At Mitch Gosser says, everybody knows that tears are the secret ingredient for the best ramen in the galaxy. I think that was a slash sword art tsunami talk back as well. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just at a loss for that, that um, comment. Yeah. Well, that's enough of that. Let's, uh, let's get into the news. All right, let's get into the news right now.
From Facebook, Twitter, and the official Toonami Tumblr, this is Toonami News, powered by ToonamiFaithful.com. Well, this week, folks, uh, we decided since Colt was on, we would uh, let him do the rating. So, go ahead. And Take it away, Simon. We got we got to put you to work sometime. Bitch. And I thank you for the work, assuming I don't utterly fuck this up in one shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you okay. fuck it up, nobody will actually hear this. So, continue. <laughs> True. Okay. So the ratings for February first, two thousand fourteen, are as follows. Space Dandy came in at 1,357,000. Yay, Please. it's up. You distracted him. <laughs> Anybody else want to say anything? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what was the you? Bleach came in at 1,113,000. Naruto Shippuden came in at 915,000. One Piece came in at 887,000. Soul Eater came in at 796,000. Sword Art Online came in at 728,000. Naruto, the original, came in at 682,000. Ghost in the Shell came in at 645,000. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood came in at 608,000. Samurai Jack came came in at 557,000. IGPX came in at 432,000. Star Wars The Clone Wars came in at 544,000. And Inuyasha Ends the Night with 450,000. And that's the ratings for February 1st, 2014. You know... Uh, wow. I, I don't... Yeah. I, I don't like the ratings for... Well, I know it's an off week, but it, I really didn't like the ratings for Shibiden. I thought they should have higher. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not expecting millions the whole time, but, you know, given the fact that we're starting at 1130, it'd be nice. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it... I mean, the, the ratings for Space Annie went up, so that's good. Bleach was over a million. That's still good. But then, like... Yeah, very good job for Space Dandy. Kind of uh, disappointing with Naruto. I I was happy that One Piece held on to most of Naruto. Yeah. Yeah. Only 198,000. Man, what's going on with Inuyasha on the back end? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of weird because it went up, down, up, down. All throughout the 4 to 5 block. It's surprising that I... Hey, applause for uh, Ghost in the Shell. 645,000 at 3 a.m. Not bad. Not bad. Not the best we've seen, but exactly. not bad. Um, what, was, what did uh, Star Wars do again this week? I think that was low. Uh, it did 544,000. Oh, yeah, that's really low. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Not for 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you look at the comparison for last year, it looks terrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, take it away, Data Monkey. Okay, last year the Boondocks at 11:30 did 1,711,000. Yeah, it hurts, but it's the Boondocks, so I'm not that surprised. So, oh, Bleach, Bleach came in at 1,308,000. The original Naruto came in at 1,158,000. Thundercats came in at 965,000. Samurai 7 came in at 873,000. Symbionic Titan came in at 823,000. Hideka 7 came in at 736,000. Tenchi Moyo GXP came in at 717,000. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood came in at 705,000. Cowboy Bebop came in at 742,000. The next run of Cowboy Bebop came in at 751,000. 
and the first Inuyasha came in at 685,000, following at the end of the night with the second Inuyasha at 650,000. And that's last year's ratings. God. So, can yeah. We take, can we take last year's ratings and just put them in? <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that Dandy, way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Dandy needs those types of ratings. Uh, yeah. So, kind of disappointing that it's, uh, it's losses across the board per year, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, that was a really game. good year. That was a really good night last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the two biggest drops were at 11.30 and 4.30 compared to last year with 300-plus thousand losses. <laughs> and I and I got to say that I, I feel really bad for One Piece when it's going up against Thundercats. Because <laughs> my Thundercats is kicking its ass. Ah, not too bad that week. So, yeah, it's, it was only 78,000. So, it's it, it, it's killing itself. So I mean, yeah, one piece will probably jump up and down. I mean, as long as we don't see under four hundred thousand in ratings, that's good. So I'll take it for this week, and hopefully everything will go back up. I still want to see four like four shows go a million because that would be awesome. Four or five. It's entirely possible. We, yeah. we just need that one good week where everyone's at home. Maybe the first yeah. week, Blue Exorcist starts. Yeah, we might see that. That's for true. Possibly. So, I mean, when, when Sword Art first started, we had a quad or a quint, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah there was at least a quad, up. but I think there was a, a quint one, maybe two times. Uh, but that was the summer, and we're also up against the Olympics. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's probably why it was so bad this week. So Could be. it'll be all right. We'll be fine. Um, I like the Olympics all that exciting. <laughs> yeah, but that curly is oh, like to the rest of the world. Curly. Yeah, curly I know. Curly, hey, man. Well, let's, let's put it to you curly. this way. Let's put it to you this way. We're going to get to something in the news here that um, did better than the Olympics trending. So, But we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, should we uh, talk about trending, gentlemen? Yes. Proceed. Yes. Please. Okay. So uh, trending – in the U.S., um, basically what we tried to do this week with trending is trend words instead of trending them as a hashtag because we wanted Intruder 2 to uh, trend, which we'll get into that a little bit later in the news as well. Um, Intruder 2. Um, so in the U.S., Toonami trended both the word Toonami and hashtag Toonami. Uh, Intruder 2, which I'll go into a little bit more detail about this. Um, it trended during Space Dandy, Bleach, Naruto Shippuden, One Piece, Soul Eater, Sword Art Online, Naruto, Ghost in the Shell, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Samurai Jack, IGPX, Star Wars, and Inuyasha. So that would be every single show that was on the block. Every single show on the block. It trended. <laughs> so that's a good thing. We did it. We did really well with that. And uh, thank you guys for following us, following our lead on trending. But um, the rest of the U.S. trends, uh, Space Dandy, both hashtag and non-hashtag trended. Uh, hashtag Bleach trended. Naruto Shippuden without a hashtag trended. Uh, One Piece with a hashtag and without trended. Uh, Frankie from One Piece trended. Soul Eater without a hashtag trended. Uh, Black Star trended. Excalibur trended. Sword Art, and <laughs> Sword Art Online without a hashtag trended. Uh, Kirito trended. Ghost in the Shell without a hashtag trended, uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood with a hashtag trended, and hashtag Samurai Jack and Samurai Jack trended. 
So uh, those are the U.S. trends uh, worldwide. Uh, Toonami trended without a hashtag. Intruder2 hashtag. Uh, that trended during uh, Space Dandy and Bleach. Uh, Soul Eater trended worldwide. That was without a hashtag. Uh, Blackstar, Excalibur, Sword Art Online without a hashtag trended. Uh, Kirito, Ghost in the Shell without a hashtag. And Samurai Jack without a hashtag trended worldwide. Um, and then we also have Mobile Trends, which is a new thing that you can see on your uh, Twitter app. Um, Toonami trended worldwide. Uh, there was or trended in the mobile apps that uh, it doesn't. It has a tweet count that's unknown. Uh, Intruder Two had seventeen point eight thousand tweets. Uh, Space Dandy. There was an unknown count for that, which is ha- hashtag Space Dandy. Uh, Naruto Shippuden. Just the word. Um, there. Tweets are unknown for that. Uh, One Piece, uh, 21.7,000 tweets. Um, Soul Eater, uh, just the regular word Soul Eater. Same thing with One Piece. Uh, No hashtag to that. Uh, No count to that. Black Star, um, that didn't have a count. Wow, there's a lot of of things here mobily that didn't have a count. And the last two, uh, hashtag FMA Brotherhood and Samurai Jack, which Samurai Jack was... No hashtag, and those didn't have a count to them either. So, and that's it for trending this week. I really want to try to get things to trend on Facebook, but you know it's so relatively new that that's going to take a little work. Do people even Facebook anymore? <laughs> I was on Facebook trying to yeah, trend absolutely. Intruder too, <laughs> but but then again, yeah. I am on Facebook and I harass Paul ass all the time. Yeah, you do. Fucking piece of shit. Asshole. Yeah, I love you too, whore. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of Intruder 2, if you if you don't mind me sketch, I'll take this. Go ahead. Uh, Tuesday. Go I think it was Tuesday right at... Was it Tuesday or Wednesday that this came out, sketch? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, I, man. <laughs> I want to say Tuesday when we put out the podcast, this actually came out. And um, basically they were asking people to... that. They basically, first of all, they said that they were going to do Intruder 2, which is awesome. Um, and they asked everybody to help trend it on Saturday night, which we did a very good job, as you can hear. Um, and before I before I talk about it a little bit, I thought I would get uh, your guys' thoughts on what you initially thought when you heard uh, Intruder Part 2, or as the hashtag is, Intruder 2. I actually enjoyed knowing that Intruder 2 was coming back. I was like, oh, man, here we go again. We know what happened last time. It was another change. So uh, it could be some new surprises coming up this time around. It'll be interesting. I just kind of enjoy how the instant the the Intruder 2 was mentioned, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Steve Bloom's quitting. The whole unnecessary band shit that happened at that point. Well, they all they all told me that I was the one that caused it. So it's always your fucking fault, Paul. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, sketch. What's your thoughts? Let, let us clarify that uh, there is no indication that Steve Bloom has any intention of not voicing Tom in the future, or that Turner has any intention of replacing Stephen Bloom. I mean, if you think about it, last time Tom was replaced, he got a new model. Steve has been voicing Tom for every model since, and obviously we're hoping that the intruder doesn't win this time. I mean, come on. It's time for 
Tom to get some payback. Well, I, I have an idea about what might happen. It's mostly just a speculation. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Tom's not that stupid and would remember it. But my thought is, is Sarah on the Absolution 5 the same Sarah that was on the Absolution 1? So, so it may not be Tom getting a, a change, but it might be Sarah. So we, so well, I'm like, yeah, I think there's I, a con- I think there's a consensus out there that Sarah would probably get a change too. So yeah, so, um, so I'm thinking it's more we may get the 3D holograph back from the Mark III or something well, a little bit different than that. I think the thing that we were referring to about people going out on Twitter and saying, "Oh no, is does this mean Steve's gone?" Um, I I took part in that a little bit. And I guess people just started bouncing off of me for some odd reason. I don't know why they bounce off of me when it comes to this stuff. But, but the thing is, you used from your personal account when you said it, didn't it? Yeah, I used it for my personal account. And for, from what I read off my ass.fm, I read it to you guys. It didn't – like I didn't say it in so many words that it's like, oh, it's definitely going to happen. You know, but you know, I, I had to bring up that point because the last time that this happened, the intruder, one, killed Tom. And two, he would, Tom's voice was replaced with Steve Loom. Um, and the reason I bring these up is, and, and the reason why I went there with this, I have to say, and I actually want you people to pause this podcast right now and go to a couple weeks ago when we interviewed Sonny Stray. Um, you'll hear what exactly happened when this all went down. This was basically a way to send him out, send this Tom out, send the, send Sonny Straits Tom out with style. Um, so for me, when I hear that, I'm like, I'm not thinking, I'm not just going to that conclusion right now. I'm going to that conclusion because, okay, maybe this is what this is going on. Maybe, you know, they're trying to send him out in style. Now, do I want Steve Bloom to go? No. I've, I've, clear, I've said that like 50 times. I even said that on the first initial tweet. I don't want Steve gone at all, but, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. That is a good I, I really point. If know. they ever were to send off Steve Bloom, they, they should absolutely do it in the most epic way possible. Exactly. And, you know, we don't, we don't really know what's going in their minds, what they're trying to do here. You know, they're, is there a reason for it? Is it just because they could do this? You know, I think it's because they always wanted to tell this story and now they're seeing the opportunity to be able to do it how they want to and without exactly. the kinds of uh, well, hand that, that, that Cartoon Network had them going through. That, by that's that the part time. that I'm, I'm really excited about is because they can be a little bit more edgy. Yeah, that's I guess that's the best word. They can they they can be a little bit more edgy about how they do things. So I, I'm very excited to see what they come up with. Um, and people have to understand what I said was not to mean that Steve is leaving. I'm just saying that's a possibility. That could be a possibility because when you hear intruder and you li- after listening to that sunny straight interview, you kind of go, Hmm. <laughs> it's plausible, but we can't say that it is. No, and, and I do need to, for, I do need to stay for the record. Somebody had said, I don't remember who it was that I think it was Daniel that said it actually on Twitter about the fact that, um, what was it? Um, God, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, basically, oh yeah, okay. So during during the tsunami panel, they had said that they were going to stick with Steve. Like Steve was going to be Tom, and that's it. I, yes, they said that. 
I'm not going to sit here and deny that they didn't say that. They did say that. So, you know, would they go back on that? You know, again, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm just bringing up the point that this could be a possibility. But the thing is, what we've seen with Tsunami as of late, man, they surprised us with a lot of stuff. So, hey, you know, but the thing is, the changes have been good, but I'm, you know, for one thing, I think they're going to stick with Steve regardless, man. You know, I think a lot of people be kind of pissed off. No. Yeah, and, and yeah, people, need to, people need to like little like literally chill out when they see me put something up. You know, I understand that I run tsunamifaithful.com, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have all the fucking information. Okay, I'll put it to you like this. When Paul puts something out on his personal Twitter, that's his opinion. When he puts something out on Tsunami News, that means that he has confirmation. And even if we have filed up on Tsunami News, we always correct it and make the clarifications. We will retract yeah. anything that we say, and we will make it clear to you. Right. Otherwise, that's the reason why they send me in to shit the trolls up. <laughs> and people will still misconstrue it regardless of the point. Yes, that's, that's exactly. the way the internet works. Yes. Exactly. Damn you, internet. So. <laughs> Basically, yes. So, yeah. Well, it's it, really it, exciting development, the Intruder 2, and it sounds like things went well enough that they can do they exactly can what they want to do. And, you know, we... And it would be, you know, I know people are out there saying, well, this means a new Tom, too. It, it could be. There's there's no, there's no, nothing to say that there wouldn't be a new Tom. But we'll we'll see what happens, you know. You know, this time around, I believe Tom going to kick the intruder's ass, dude. Yeah. If I see him punch him and kick him in the nuts, dude, I'm just going to be like, yeah. Whoop that trick. Get him. Whoop that, that trick. trick. Get him. I, I would seen... kicking him with his blob and the jewels anyway. It's yeah, kind of hard to figure that out. Yep. Dude, you Look here. You just kick him in the you hard drive. You freeze it, from heaven. and then you <laughs> kick it in the jewels. All right. All right. Fine. Touché. Well, I, I think we've said enough about the intruder. Freeze so my don't... milk and then cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, to say a couple more things about the intruder, too. Because I've been seeing this idea that people have, and I really like it. So I'm going to go ahead and promote it on here. And uh, apologies for not giving credit to whoever said this first. But there are people out there on the Twitterverse and the Facebook and what have you suggesting that Sonny Straits Tom 1 should show up in that, possibly appearing from being previously consumed by the intruder, you know, just show up and be like, I'm back. Oh, a corrupted Tom one. That would. I don't know about corrupt Tom one, but no, that's an interesting idea. What if it goes the Metroid route? <laughs> yeah. And you have Mother the, Brain. You have the uh, uh, what is the what is the name of that dark dark Samus? Dark, I guess yeah, dark, dark Tom. <laughs> oh God. No, I I mean like uh. Tom One shows up, maybe just for a cameo, but he shows up uh, appearing to escape from the intruder and help save the day. That would be cool to have yeah. both Toms Tom. Kick the working ass. together, defeating the intruder. Wouldn't that assume that there were multiple Tom Ones then? There like actually the were multiple Toms, I believe, according to a well, comic. Yeah, but the problem yeah. was that the Tom one got eaten, got dissolved by the intruder, which then became Tom two. So unless there's another Tom one model out there, I, I could still see it working. It's technically, I, I think I, technically it's supposed to be still the same AI. Yeah. But well, there was that, there was that 
bonus bit where Tom Four was talking to Tom Five. Right. That they did. So, who's yeah, to cause, say? Cause it, well, what I always it, thought it was is it was Tom One, Tom Two, Tom Three, and Tom Five were all the same AI. Tom Four was the only one that was considered dip. Uh, because Tom One. That seems like because odd. One, two, and, yeah, that well, seems a little odd there, dude. No, because Tom 1 got eaten by the intruder, and he turned into Tom 2. And we had the comic that had Tom 2 getting beat up and being rebuilt into Tom 3. Mm-hmm. Right. So, barring, and then supposedly I thought there was going to be a comic between 3 to 4 and 4 to 5. Right. But we haven't gotten those yet, so there's We no haven't gotten the comic yet. So, we'll, right, we'll see but, what they do with the comic. And hey, maybe well, all uh, that'll come the, out around the same time. The only thing I thought was that because since Tom... Five was talking with Tom Four. They had to be two separate bodies. Well, so, switch, they switch are two up. separate bodies, but what if the AI gets copied? Well, here's the, possibilities. Here's what I was thinking, and Sketch has the right idea. We don't necessarily know that the original Tom, Tom One, was dissolved. We just saw him get sucked into the blob, and we assume that he got killed. So, you know, taking off of that idea, we could sit there and go, "Oh, okay. So maybe, you know." Maybe, like, all of a sudden the blob turns into Tom 1. And, that would be cool. You know what I mean? Like, he comes onto the ship. He gets onto the ship, obviously, because he has the codes. And, boom, now we have a fight. <laughs> now, that would be uh, interesting. That would, well, once again, very much like, <laughs> much, much like uh, Metroid Prime. <laughs> yes. All Tom's coming in, one big battle royale. <laughs> Five times inner. Now, it, let me make this point. Don't, let's not have Tom. Well, actually, no, we can sacrifice Tom for it. That's fine. Oh. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be totally fine sacrificing Tom for The way to Bronco <laughs> sacrifice Sibo. I will sacrifice for my him. friends. We crash on his planet, and then we we have him, like, get killed. <laughs> actually, f- feed him his, uh, his uh, buddies there, too. Oh. <laughs> I like, oh, they're like okay. The, they're, they were okay, but uh, I like the Sarah. Sarah's the deep Sarah's the one we always go with. Yeah, <laughs> Sarah's the one that we always go with. At least that's the one I always wanted. So, oh well, we'll see what happens with an intruder too. But let me Sounds make this like clear. a little robosexuality there, Paul. <laughs> robosexuality. Ooh, that was um, so robo-erotic. One thing we need to, one thing we do definitely need to point out is, um. Tom, or I'm trying to think here. Damn, you got a brain to think with? No, I'm, I'm kind of losing it at the moment. <laughs> um, Not that late there yet? Eh, I didn't get that much sleep today. Snoo, snoo. I wish it was that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think here. Um, I just lost my thoughts, sorry. Maybe you get up off your fat ass, <laughs> your size, and you can actually think. <laughs> okay. Oh, that, that's what I wanted to say. Basically, um, Jason had said on his Twitter that um, they're going to pretty much go dark on this whole Intruder 2 thing, and then when they come back, they're just going to start teasing it. So, for Yeah, don't expect any views for a while. Yeah, so those of you out there that are thinking, hey, I'm going to ask this during the Q&A, uh, it's probably not going to get answered. Or it'll get answered with one of those lovely uh, Dana videos. No, it looks like they've been kind of backing off of that. Because after that one time where I kind of went out and went, 
I like guys got a slot on that. Those were fun. They were fun, but that one time they overused it. Like one every yeah. five. Yeah, one every every other like, like that one time where they just basically kept doing that. I was just like, okay, now you need to chill out because there's actually people asking legitimate questions, and you're basically going. They were feeding the trolls. Right, they were feeding the trolls basically, so they didn't. They needed to stop that, which they did. So well, no harm, no foul. All I can say about this is it almost sounds like their budget's getting better, but that goes into another topic later down the line. Yeah, we're going to have to keep that for another topic of another night because we have a rather long interview. So. True. Or before Sketch starts stabbing himself. Yes, we have a rather long interview. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's get to the last bit of news, and it's not – I guess it's not really – No, this isn't the last bit of news. Because we, uh, well, all we really need to say is, Toonami had another video game review. It was Dead Rising 3. It was about killing zombies. It was good. Go watch it. Well, play it. Go buy it. And we'll put that up on ToonamiFaithful.com before this podcast comes out so you guys can see it. Um, But yes, we'll get into this last topic, basically, um, is about Adult Swim expanding to 8 p.m. And the reason why we bring up this little piece of news is because, well, one, Toonami's on Adult Swim. And two, um, as we reported last year around, I believe it was November, December-ish, um, the reason why Toonami was successful, or why Adult Swim was successful this year, was in, I guess, not large part, but... Toonami helped. Toonami definitely helped. Let's basically just put it that way. Um, they helped them greatly and, you know, this, this is a good move for Adult Swim. I just don't know what they're going to put in some of these, this new hour of time. I feel like Toonami kind of got rolling there was on Saturday night. They didn't have much interest from advertisers for a, the Adult Swim action block before, but Toonami brought in a branding and with it also more high profile shows and it yes. kept building and building over time. So now, you know, they got lots of advertisement support. They've had Microsoft. They've had Warner Brothers Films. They've had NBC Disney. <laughs> they've had Disney, yeah. the direct competition to, to Warner Brothers and Turner. Yeah. Um, NBC Universal uh, with, um, God, what is the name of it? Oblivion. We had that too. You can't forget that. Um, yeah, lots, yeah, lots of support from here. advertisers and Trojan. <laughs> sure to hey, even be more. Hey. So that yeah. along with not necessarily better ratings overall, but certainly more stable ratings. Yes. And yeah. that has helped them improve their Saturday to the point where maybe they were thinking, okay, now that because you're not going to expand to more earlier hours on the rest of the days of the week if you have a a weak spot in their lineup. So there you go. Toonami raised the boat a little bit, and that was enough. Of course, Adult Swim overall had its best year ever last year. So there you go. And I don't don't know how Cartoon Network did, but I'm guessing it didn't do as well as Adult Swim. (laughs) Hard to say. uh, That is apples and carrots, man. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, but but all, all that came down to what was it, Cartoon Network's going more digital, Adult Swim gets an extra hour, and they're finally turning Boomerang into the family network like it should have been. So 
I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, hey, congrats. Hey, did they finally pull their heads out of their ass? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yes, call. Like, I, I, I honestly think it. Preach, call. Preach. I think the main reason why Adult Swim is getting this extra hour is because there's just way more value in adults advertising in that hour than there is for kids. And that's kind of unfortunate. But Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's Cartoon Network and it's it's Adult Swim, so Cartoon Network can't be taking that one. Well, pretty much assured that reruns of King of the Hill, though they do well are not necessarily going to do better than the shows that Cartoon Network has in those time slots right now. Right. Well, the advertisers are going to be happy, so... Well, you know, me and you were actually talking about something sketch, and I don't know. Oh, a little maybe possibility of a tsunami expansion? (laughs) Well, yeah, that too. I mean, well, see, that's a a lot of people, when they heard this, they went, there's the 11 o'clock hour for you. And, okay... That does make sense. That does make sense, but there again, as Jose always says, we need something to put in that time slot in order to fill it. So we'll see if this does mean um, a new show. But here, here's another here's another thing that a lot of people were putting out there too. This happened on Tuesday, and then – or actually, I'm sorry. This happened on Monday. And then on Tuesday, <laughs> we had the announcement about the Intruder too. So it's like people were on Twitter were going connection. So we shall I don't know. see. I do we think it's see. very possible that they will get eleven o'clock eventually. Yes. It's, you know, it's because part of me is thinking, okay, three hours of Fox warmups probably enough. <laughs> probably yeah. enough. Yeah. Maybe exactly. they don't agree. But I think maybe that's probably enough. But well, they do I like mean, to have the boondocks at 11 o'clock. Right. Yes, they need to bring back another season of Black Dynamite, dude. I need so that is going to come in summer, last oh. time I heard. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, they, and they actually, have... the boondocks should be in its new season when they make this expansion. Sweet. Affirmative action power hour, baby. Score one for the black guys. Jim, I heard you heard that, man. (laughs) Jim, not appearing in this podcast until the interview. Spoilers. So don't get your hopes way, way up there, but there's a possibility that maybe they'll get the full 11 o'clock. Maybe. But, you know, so far, Space Dandy's doing great. I feel like maybe the rest of the lineup needs to do a little bit better before they'll consider another expansion, but if the front end's doing super great, they might still consider it. Right, and this 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 is definitely a good sign for Toonami, so you know, let's keep the faith and hopefully this will definitely happen. But now that we've spent almost an hour on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we need to get to the part sketch where everybody's trying to listen to something. What was that thing again? Oh, a little interview with Monica Real. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. By the way, um, by the way, Sketch, you're fired. Darrell, you're fired. Colt, you're fired too. Um, <laughs> so. Um, and magically, Jim will appear. Yes, magically, Jim will appear. I will make him magically appear. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into this interview with Monica Real. Hello, everybody. This is Michiko Milandro, and guess what? You're listening to the Tanami Faithful Podcast. You better watch out.
Alright guys, we're back, and uh, we're here. First of all, I have to say that Sketch couldn't be on the interview with us because, well, he got called into work, so sorry Sketch, but we'll definitely represent you in this interview. But uh, today, we are honored with a female guest for once, because a lot of you have complained that we don't have enough female voice actresses on. So, without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi everybody, my name is Monica Rial. I feel really bad that Skits can't be here now. He had to go to work? That sucks. Yeah, he got called into work. But, well, I mean, he's making he's making this girl up, so what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> I'm very excited to be here, and yes, I am a female and a voice actor, so woo! <laughs> Yay. And uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. We know how busy you are, because we have tried to get you before, so. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you. Just kind of the world's kind of aligned, planets aligned, stars aligned, everything worked out. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll get right into the questions for you so that we don't keep you all night. Mm-hmm. Um, first question that I always ask every uh, voice actor or voice actress that comes on is, how did you get started in uh, voice acting? It was a total accident, and I know that's never what people want to hear, but it mm-hmm. really was. Um, I was an actress. You know, I did a lot of uh, Shakespeare and musical theater. I worked with a, re- a lot of really great people in college, like Jason Douglas and, and Jim Parsons, who plays Sheldon on The Big Bang Theory. Um, mm-hmm. But I ended up going and, and talking to Jason Douglas, and we were doing a show together, and he's like, you know, I'm working. Well, actually, it's more like Jason, so it's more like you know, I'm working on this uh, this animation thing in Houston. I'm like, what are you talking about animation in Houston? It's all done out in L.A. He's like, no, there's one here in town. You should audition because it's all these, like, little kids saving the world, and you sound like a little kid. And I'm like, thanks? <laughs> so I called, and it just kind of was – it just worked out in a way that was so weird because I called and – that called ADV Films way back in the day. I'm not even going to tell you how long ago that was. And um, Janice Williams answered the phone, and they just happened to be having auditions that weekend. I showed up, and I auditioned, and I think it was like three or four months, and then they called me back in. So it really was just kind of this weird situation of like, it just kind of fell in my lap. And granted, it was back in the days when nobody really cared about dubs at all. So there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, they were just getting to the point where they were starting to hire a lot of actors. Before then, they were just using kind of the people they knew or whatever. So it wasn't like it was a difficult thing to get into back then. Um, But yeah, it just kind of fell into my lap. And I always feel bad saying that at conventions when people ask, because they're like, how do I get it to fall into my lap? And I'm like, I don't know. Become <laughs> <laughs> an actor and, and ask around. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just kind of happens. And I mean, with my voice, I, I really don't know. I'm sure I would have ended up there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As an actor, I'm sure at some point it would have, the opportunity would have arisen. But uh, yeah, so it just happens. Papa Jack, sorry, my cat is being a douche. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is being a total douche right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess to follow up with that, then, um, was voice acting something you always wanted to do, or did you have a different career in mind? Um, well, I always wanted to be an actor. Like okay. That was certainly what I wanted to do. You know, I remember being a little kiddo and being like, oh, I'll be an actor. Uh, 
I never thought about voice acting. It's not that it, it, it didn't interest me or anything. I just never really sat down and thought about it. Like I was the kid that had such a vivid imagination that when I watched animation or cartoons or whatever, I didn't think about who did the voices because I was so entranced by just the character overall. So it wasn't until I actually got into voice acting that I went back and watched those cartoons I watched as a kid and really tried to figure out who those voices were because I was so amazed. Um, so, yeah, I always wanted to be an actor, but the voice acting part of it was something new. And, and now I try to go – I went to the Texas – let me see if I can get this right. It's called TETA, the Texas oh, Theater Educators of Texas Association or something like that. They have a huge conference where all of these high school students come in and they do a big convention where all the kids can take classes and whatnot. And a friend of mine was one of the organizers and he's like, hey, will you come talk to all these high schoolers? And I was like, yes, I would love to get the opportunity to talk to a bunch of young actors about voice acting because it's really not something as an actor when you're starting out that they even mention, you know, they don't ever tell you, Hey, you can make a, a career out of solely using your voice. And it's a really fascinating and awesome career. And so I really, I love that the anime community has kind of latched onto it and taken uh, an interest in it. Um, I hope that kind of mainstream, it'll, it'll happen as well and get more actors involved, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your uh, first acting gig slash show you did as a voice actor? My very first, uh, very <laughs> first was Nadeshko, Mar Martian successor Nadeshko. Yes. I was called in to do Walla. Um, and for those of you that don't know what Walla is, it's called With All Actors. So it's like whenever you see people going to school um, in the beginning of an anime and everybody's talking in the background here all the, oh, did you do your homework? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Uh, that's basically Walla. So I went in and did Walla, and I'll, I will remember this forever. It was Matt Greenfield, and I was scared to death because I had never done anything professionally voiceover-wise. And he basically tested me for like an hour. It, it was like, okay, now you're angry at these these, you know, alien invaders called the Jovians, so just be angry and tell them to go home. All right. Go home, Jovians. We hate you. Ah, you're horrible. Okay, now can you do that with an English accent? Okay. Go home, Jovians. We hate you. Ah, you're horrible. You know, I just, he would, like, go through and make me do these ridiculous things that I had no idea that had anything to do with the show. And I realized after the fact that he was kind of testing me to see what I would do and, and if I could do it and whether I was going to, like, clam up and, and freak out. And I didn't. I, I took it all. Uh, and then after that, I ended up getting cast um, as Miharu in Gasaraki uh, and then Natsume in Generator Gall. So kind of at the same time, I started working with both Matt Greenfield and Stephen Foster and I thought, well, this would be a cool gig to get me through college, you know, like a little side project to do while I'm in college. And and now, oh, my gosh, I think my anniversary is, like, next week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. And it'll be 15 years, you guys. Wow. <laughs> See, perfect timing. It's, yes. It <laughs> is. It's like my anniversary episode. Woo! Yay. Well, happy anniversary. So, there we go. Well, thank you. <laughs> my my voice acting anniversary is a teenager. That's I'm old. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, but it's been a great ride. It's just not a ride that I expected, and I certainly didn't think that it was going to end up being my career, but I'm so happy that it that I am where I am, definitely. Okay, um, next question is, uh, how did you end up at Funimation? Oh, Funimation. Uh, that, I think Vic blazed that trail. Like, he was the first one to go up to Funimation. Um, and so I knew that he had been going there for a while, but it all came down to Kitty Grade. Um, back then, back in the day, uh, I would like read new type and whatnot to try and figure out what new shows were coming up because it took them a lot longer to get over here than it does now. You know, now we have all these simulcasts and things, but back then you'd hear about a show in Japan and sometimes it would take it a year before, you know, you'd hear about a studio getting it here. So I had seen the, uh, some of the animation and stuff for Kitty Grade and a basic like rundown of the show. And I really, really fell in love with the show. And I was, I kind of thought in my head for some reason that ADV was going to get it. Nobody ever told me that, but I just assumed that would be the case. And I was at Acon, I want to say 2001 or something ridiculous like that. And, uh, and I found out that we didn't get it, but Funimation got it. And I was like, no. So uh, Mike McFarland was there, and he was like, hey, are you really serious about wanting to do this Kitty Grade show? I'm like, yeah, dude, I really I really wanted to work on it. And he's like, well, would you be willing to come to Dallas if the opportunity came up? And I'm like, yeah, I don't see why not. So fast forward, I guess about eight months or so, and I get a call from Funimation's talent coordinator. And she's like, hi, Monica, this is Tara, and I need to schedule you for eight hours. And I'm like, what? For <laughs> for what? And she's like, oh, you've been casting Kitty Grade. I was like, I have? <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out that Justin Cook was the director for Kitty Grade, and he had watched Excel Saga and cast me as Lumiere off of my performance in Excel Saga. <laughs> so I started going up there for uh, Kitty Grade, and then, you know, once you're up there, I started auditioning for things while I was there and slowly worked my way in. They never suspected a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so she stealthed her way in. I did, stealthily. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Quiet like Hyatt. <laughs> Exactly. Who would have thought that, you know, dying and regurgitating blood would get me Lumiere? <laughs> but it did. <laughs> and I also remember that the first time I met Justin, I guess he had watched all of Excel Saga. And I came in and I was like, oh, Mr. Cook, my name is Monica Rial. And he goes, oh, my God, that's your real voice. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to respond to that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So it was it was awesome but weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well I guess that answers that question. <laughs> Jim, I'll let you take awesome. over. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, so um, how did you get your start in scripting and the directing side of production? Because recently you scripted an episode of Space Dandy, the zombie episode. Oh, yay! It's my favorite. <laughs> um, well, I've been writing. Um, since my days, like doing the adapting since my days at ADB. Um, and that started, I guess it was Dean Angel. Um, I was working on Dean Angel as an, as, uh, as an actor or no, not yet. I guess I was just working on Dean Angel with D David Williams and the scripts were really not 
good on the first volume. <laughs> so much so that he was having to like rewrite them and stuff. So he was talking to me about it. And I'm like, hey, dude, why don't you let me try to write some scripts? I mean, they can't be any worse than what you've got now, right? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that way you can give me feedback and I can learn to write and stuff. So Dean Angel, uh, because of that, bad first volume i don't remember who wrote it but we won't talk about that uh, because <laughs> because they goofed i got an opportunity to try it and become a writer and it worked out and david was really good about giving me notes and stuff and so from there i went on and did you know kaleidostar and uh and oh, michelle and all, all kinds of mad lags, like all kinds of, of stuff and i really enjoyed it um and then it just kind of happened. I think I wrote one episode of Full Metal Alchemist. I don't even remember who approached me about it. <laughs> I did that, and that kind of opened the Funimation floodgate. And then I started working at Funimation, and I started writing shows like Oron and Nabari, No-O, and Kenichi. And, um, and a lot of them I did under pseudonyms, because if it was a show that I knew was popular, I would do it under another name. So if people hated it, they wouldn't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> I know anime fans and I know them very well. So I was like, hey, Oron's really popular. I'm going to pretend I'm Dorothy Garrett. Maybe, maybe that's why <laughs> Steve Bloom secretly used a different name for some of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was for different reasons. Oh, we know that well, was for different Steve, reasons. but <laughs> You never know. Sometimes we just do it because we're afraid y'all are going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but see, um, with the directing stuff, though, that was like... <laughs> I had started, uh, I was in training actually at ADV before things kind of went south there. I was in training to become a director and it just never came about. And um, so I started to sub for some people at Funimation and ADV just like whenever they needed to have a day off or whatever, I'd come in and sit for them. And um, and yeah, and it just, it kind of fell into my lap that that, that position. So didn't mm. plan on doing either one, but I really enjoyed both of them. Nice. Now, uh, co-opting off of that, uh, speaking of recording, mm -hmm. uh, if you remember an old show that was just recently re-released by Sentai Filmworks called Godanner, if you remember that. Yay! Right? I love yeah. Godanner! Um, I had read um, some behind-the-scenes work that um, some were... Uh, some roles were recorded simultaneously, like Brett Weaver and Hilary Haig as Go mm -hmm. and Anna in that show actually were recorded simultaneously, uh, first of, I guess this is a two-part question. First of all, did you have that uh, pleasure of doing so? And secondly, how different really was it from uh, doing a recording normally, which is normally, you know, you're by yourself and you got to wait for the beeps and so on and so forth? Good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, actually, I, we, that, we did try that on Go Danner, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, what better show to try out the kind of simultaneous recording than a big giant robot show where you get to do all the call-outs and stuff. Um, and playing Mira, I remember specifically having a session with Brett and Tiffany Grant and I. Mm. So we had these like three studios, uh, one that we called the Meat Locker because it was always crazy cold, but it had, <laughs> it was horrible, but it had two booths in it. And then there was a studio that was attached that had a window in it that you could kind of like pull the curtain back and so that that person could see inside the same studio. So the director could see all three of you and you could see each other. Um, and so we would do a lot of the call outs and stuff all together. And we also did some of the like really serious scenes and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really, really, really cool. And it was a great experience and I'm glad I've had it. 
Um, I will say that we learned really quickly why we do it individually <laughs> and not all together like that. Because one, the Japanese are so very polite and so very professional and quiet. And we're loud, rowdy Americans <laughs> that like make fart jokes and do stupid things. So we, uh, you know, you get held up because everybody's so busy talking to one another and joking around. Um, and people work at different pieces. So um, it became one of those things where we realized very quickly, like, okay, this works for this instance, but it probably wouldn't work for everything. Yeah. Um, but it certainly was cool. I mean, it was really, really cool because we spent so much time in there by ourselves. It was so nice to have someone to react off of as an actor and, like, to play off of in your scenes. It was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. It's probably why Godanner sounds unlike any other dub I've heard before or since, really. Oh, well, thank you. I love that one. I thought it was a really good show, but I think it gets written off a lot of times because it, it is a giant robot show, and people just kind of go, ah, oh, whatever. I'm like, no, it's really, really good, and it's fun. Yeah, I'll admit I was unfair to it when I first saw it in uh, high school. I watched, like, the first three episodes, so I was like, ugh. <laughs> so, but I'm glad I gave it another shot. So. I am, too. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sticking with directing, uh, mm-hmm. what was the show that you've had the most fun uh, directing yourself? Oh. Uh, directing... Not exactly, a, not exactly a fair question to ask, I know, because you like them all. <laughs> we like to That's hear, what happens. We like to ask some hard-hitting questions here at the Toonami Facebook. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> there's so many that I like for so many different reasons. Like, uh, Kenichi was the first show that I got to cast all on my own. Um, so that one holds a special place for me because I actually got to have my first round of auditions with animation, and I mm-hmm. cast every single one of those roles myself. So that was a lot of fun. And working with Josh Grill, who's just really, hello, I can't talk. Uh, <laughs> Josh Bailey, who's fantastic. Um, and all of those guys, everybody in that cast was so much fun. Plus, I was this little chick, and here all this, this show full of dudes. It was <laughs> awesome. It was me and my man harem. I loved it. Um, <laughs> and then going off of that, we went from that man harem to a different man harem with Nabari. Um, with all oh, of too the, bad Darrell uh, isn't here. He loves that show. Yeah. Oh, really? oh, it's such a good show. <laughs> so I went from man harem of trying to beat each other up to man harem of all trying to love each other. Um, <laughs> but that was a fun one, too. Uh, Holic was great working with Todd for hours. He's fantastic. Um, and watching him work is just, I mean, it's ridiculous. He's amazing. Um, see, there's so many. I loved directing the last, well, I loved and hated directing the last volume of Claymore because it was mm. really hard to keep all of those girls apart. <laughs> but we got to do some really cool stuff uh, vocally with different characters and things, and we really played around with some stuff. Uh, so that was fun. There's so many. <laughs> I think those would be my main ones. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, was that three or four for me, Paul? Oh, you can so, keep going. That's fine. Okay. All right. So um, what was a role that you would say was probably the most challenging for you? The most challenging? Uh, I would say probably Kirika in Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love that show, and I adore Kirika. Uh, 
but that character, especially in the beginning, she's such an enigma, and she doesn't really know where she's going. And so uh, Matt purposely wasn't giving me a lot of direction because he wanted me to feel just as lost as she was, which I really liked. And in retrospect, and watching it now, it really sounds cool because you can kind of hear the hesitation and the confusion in my voice, which totally fits Kirika. But she a lot of times would say nothing more than, uh-huh, like literally just uh-huh. <laughs> you have to convey like a million different emotions with one uh-huh, you know, like in one uh-huh, you'd have to understand that she's terrified for her life. In another uh-huh, you'd have to understand that she's okay with the situation now. I mean, like just really, really crazy uh, and challenging and awesomely fun for an actor. Don't get me wrong. Like it was really cool in trying to figure out how to put that much subtext behind two syllables um, and figure out how it was going to come across. And Matt was very, very helpful with that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another one. I'm sure there is. (laughs) They're all challenging in their own right. But like the ones that, that are the hardest, I mean, I play a lot of mutes. Those are pretty challenging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because every mute has a different reason that they're mute. If it's psycholo- a psychological mute, they're going to sound different than like a girl that got her tongue cut out. Or... <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I think that's what's so neat about anime, though, is that we're, as actors, we're presented with characters that we, we normally wouldn't get to play on stage or or situations that are totally unlike anything we've ever had to do before, and you just kind of get to to wing it and it's challenging, but at the same time, it's really, really rewarding. Cause then when you pull it off, you know, like if you play some character, I played a character called Moochon. I don't know what a Moochon is, <laughs> you know, but I did it. And then, and, and I came up with a voice and, and, and I've got a Moochon. So it's very rewarding in, in, in the end, but it can be very difficult to figure all that out. Right. Um, actually I got to, you know, speaking of uh, finding voices that actually leads into a question about Michiko and Hachin. Which we have, which we've gone back and forth about since Anime Boston last year. We were talking that off the podcast, and um, uh-huh. so uh, I, I tell a lot of people who are about to watch Michiko and Hachin that Michiko is played by Monica Rial, and they would not guess otherwise if I didn't tell them. And every single <laughs> time they come back, they say, "You're right." Oh God. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. So. Um, with uh, Michiko, how different of a character is that compared to a lot of the, uh, you know, the cuter girls that you normally play? Like, for example, um, oh, what was her name from Kokoro Connect? Uh, oh, Iori. Yeah, Iori from uh, Kokoro oh, Connect and stuff like that. So how different is um, Michiko from, say, like uh, an Iori or a, um, or a uh, Shiro from Dead Man Wonderland? Oh, sure. Uh, well, which is totally different. Uh, <laughs> um, I always joke around and I say that little girls pay my light bill, but <laughs> they do kind of. Uh, I think that a lot of people, maybe now not so much, but back in the day, a lot of people didn't realize that this is my actual speaking voice. <laughs> so I'd read a lot of flack on the internet about people who are like, oh, I hate how Monica Real uses that fake voice. And I'm like, I wish it was fake. So, I mean, like, I think that people sometimes get tired of me playing, you know, that little girl role, and I totally get that. But 
it's when people like directors are presented with a little a squeaky cute little girl and they're like hmm we could hire an actor that has to affect her voice to do that or we could hire monica or carrie savage or Jeremy or any other number but you know those of us that have these little voices, we tend to get typecast in that role a lot just because it's easier to do that than to, say, try to get Colleen to sound like a cutesy, itsy-bitsy little girl. Right. Um, and usually it's vice versa. That means that we rarely get cast as, like, the sultry um, or the voiced uh, characters. I was very lucky early on in my career at ADV that we were doing so much so fast that it was kind of a sink or swim. Mm -hmm. Um, they were kind of like, Hey, can you do this? What can you do? Can you do a low voice? Great. Can you play this character? Great. Can you do that? Awesome. So I really got to kind of work my voice acting muscles early on and realize, uh, what I could use from my theater training. Mm -hmm. And so I learned back in theater that, you know, if I'm going to do Shakespeare, I can't use this voice. I have to learn how to like do a voice that's way down here, which I can't keep up very long, but I do have that ability. So I think it was Bevins was the first one that cast me at Funimation in a lower-voiced role, and that was uh, Ota in Aquarion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a lot of people heard that, and they were like, oh, my God, that's you? I'm like, I can do other things, you guys. Just like you can go higher. I can go lower. It's not comfortable, yeah. but I can do it. So then getting to do like Miria and Claymore and Mayaya and Princess Jellyfish and those kinds of roles um, – they're always even more exciting because it's like, besides just the the cool, fun, oh, I'm an actor and I can't wait to start on this new character, it adds a whole new level of, I can't wait to flip out my other voice actors because they're not going to know this is me. Like, mm-hmm. how can I, like, hide my voice so it doesn't sound like me at all? And Michiko was the first time, because I remember Bevan's having a really hard time. He's like, I don't know who I'm going to get for this role. It's just, it's challenging and... And it's just, I want a certain feel to it. And we're not going to do the Brazilian accents because everybody's got their own idea of what a Brazilian accent sounds like. So I want it mm-hmm. to be a little more gritty and a little more, uh, you know, street. And and so when I went into audition, I was very excited, but not too excited because you don't want to get your hopes up. But mm-hmm. I was very excited to get the role and extremely excited to get to work on it and to be able to do that voice and that sass. And also being, you know, half Hispanic, Mm-hmm. It's very rare. I mean, other than Lara Gonzalez in School Rumble, it's the first, you know, Hispanic character that I've gotten to play in a long time. So that was fun, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I love doing – I love playing my little girls. Don't get me wrong. I love my little girls, my critters, my pen-pens, all those guys. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to, you know, get to stretch your stretch your muscles a little bit and do that lower range and, and really surprise some folks. So that's nice. <laughs> Always awesome, um, Paul. If you want to uh, ask a couple questions, because I feel like I've been hogging the limelight a little too much now. <laughs> Bring it, Paul. I will never, I will never not let you hog the the limelight there, Jim. <laughs> Monica, you're talking to uh, a guy who operates much quick aside, a guy who operates much like Cassandra Lee. I'm a communications major, you know, slash voice actor myself. So. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Cassandra, I love her. She's so awesome. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Um, I guess I will ask more questions. Go for it. <laughs> Not that Jim hasn't asked enough. Um, I'm trying to be fair. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, 
so what roles have you had the most fun doing then i guess is my question oh you know this one is always so hard thank you for not saying my favorite role because i always say that's like picking my favorite baby and that's just not gonna happen uh they're (laughs) all fun to an extent it's so hard because i think because my voice is so weird i get to play all of the really awesome characters um and I don't know how that happened, but I'll take it. Uh, so I, I get to play all these crazy. I mean, like, Shira was so much fun because she was just so out there. And whenever it's your job to just to just go and, 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 and be well, insane, <laughs> um, it's, there's something that's so liberating about it. And Joel was such a great director. He just kind of let me do whatever I wanted and, you know, lead me along the way. And sometimes I'd ad lib and he'd take it or you know we'd go back to what was written or whatever so i'd say shiro definitely um so many michiko just because i mean she's badass she's awesome Mm -hmm. uh goodness uh may ren is fun because that voice is so ridiculous yes it is it's just so (laughs) stupid i love it um (laughs) gosh there's so many you guys i really may tang was fun Mm -hmm. i loved telling Rich how horrible he is and yelling at him. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see him in person then. A stalking and Penny and stalking was so oh, much fun. Yes. My, all my coworkers would blush and be like, how could you say those things? I'm like, I say them every Tuesday. You're just not at my house to listen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, and then like touching stuff like Yori and Kokoro that you mentioned earlier and then Maria and Maria Hollick. Like I finally get to play some kick-ass characters, so I consider mm-hmm. myself very lucky. Speaking of kick-ass, she's got a role coming up in Robotics Notes. Yes! <laughs> she's so cute. So, uh, yeah, next 20, question. 20 bucks on Amazon for a limited time. Go get it. It's not the limited edition. Yeah! Though. But Pick even it still. up now. Robotics Notes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cheap plug. <laughs> but, yeah, I like it. Do it. Go for it. <laughs> it was worth it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the next question. Um... Could you tell us some? This is this is one of Sketch's questions. Uh, some most of them have been Sketch's questions, but uh, this one I this one I really like in particular. Uh, could you tell us some stories about recording in the booth and or directing someone in the booth? Just any stories? Uh, that's I guess that's in general. Pick one. Gosh, there's so many. I mean, 15 years, y'all. Uh, gosh. I'd say probably some of my favorite stories are from um, people coming in through tours. Like we'd have tour groups at Funimation and then sometimes, Oh God, at ADV we'd have uh, studio executives come from like Gonzo and stuff like that. So you'd have these uh, Japanese businessmen in their suits and they come in and uh, they would come through and, and show them what we were working on and, like, oh, here's Lucy Christian, and she's working on this very dramatic piece. Watch her be brilliant. Okay, let's go into this studio, and here's Chris Patton working on some other very dramatic piece. Watch him be brilliant. Okay, this is Monica, and she's playing the pig and the mute in Peacemaker. Why don't you watch her be a pig for 30 minutes? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> So that kind of stuff would happen a lot, or I'd get, Funimation, there's a lot of, like, like the high school groups and stuff that come through, and, and it's really cool that they do that, but uh, I have a, a filthy mind and a dirty mouth, and sometimes things 
come out that shouldn't. And a lot of times that happens in front of groups of high schoolers because I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) And so I always say something inappropriate and get myself in trouble and then have to apologize profusely and call attention to the thing that I said that it just upset. It's just a mess. Um, Okay, Your so you shouldn't have story. Darrell around you to give you alcohol. Okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. There was a story that was fun at a ADV back in the day. David Williams had convinced uh, Vic, Vic Mignogna, that I was going to be directing him on a show we were working on. I want to think it was like Aquarian or something. And so it was a joke. Like, I wasn't at the time. This was way before I started directing. So I was sitting out with the engineer and Vic gets in the booth. And I start giving him, like, the most ridiculous, ridiculous direction ever. Like, it was a very, very uh, deep, sad scene. And I was telling him, okay, I'll tell you what, on that line, I like what you're doing, but can you, can, I want to hear a little bit of a laugh behind your words. Like, maybe you don't really understand what you're saying. And Vic, they're like, totally just, okay, sure, yeah. He took all of my direction. I felt so bad after the fact because he actually did a really good job at all this horrible direction I'd given him. And then David was like, no, keep going, keep going. I'm like, I can't. I feel like a horrible person. <laughs> so, yeah, we got plenty of, like, oh, gosh, ADV especially back in the old days because we were there all the time because we were recording, like, eight or nine shows at a time. Ooh. You know, two, like, you'd have a, a group that came in from, like, what was it, like 10 to 6, and another group that came in from 6 to 10. So you'd have, like, all of those studios running all day and all night. So we'd get pretty loopy, and we would do silly stuff. And uh, Stephen Foster used to decorate his studio <laughs> for the show that he was doing. And, you know, just fun stuff like that. It really is. It's a great job, and the people involved are so much fun that you never know what's going to happen. There's always bombs. People leave bombs for other people where they'll put something in a track that's not supposed to be there. And... <laughs> It's I, I need to get a hold of these tapes because I would I would probably be laughing the whole time. Uh, I'm yeah, guessing. I'm sure they. I um, know they're all. I know they're all somewhere, somewhere deep <laughs> in the recording studio, hidden away. I'm sure they'll make the light of day in like 20 years from now. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing the uh, late night sessions are probably where stuff like colorful came from, but. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh yeah. I'm well, talking colorful. the I'm talking 2003 colorful, not the uh, really, yeah, really awesome one. <laughs> that Girlzilla colorful that was like way back in the day. Well, and even <laughs> uh, some of the craziest stuff came out of those. I don't know if anybody ever saw this Super Milk Chan. You know, it came on uh, MTV, but then yeah. we also did like the live action stuff that shows on the DVD, mm-hmm. um, where we all go by our names, but it's so not us. Just as a warning, it's so not our personalities. So, but we had fun because Stephen would call us up and we'd get there at like seven o'clock on a Saturday morning and all of us would just sit around all day and film. And it was a lot of fun back then. Not that mm-hmm. it's not now, but it, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. It felt more like the wild, it sounds like it was more like the wild west back then. You know, it's like, hey, we're just doing this because, you know, it's kind of cool, you know? Right. It was. It was very much like, uh, you know, just, just like, hey, we dig this stuff, so we dig you. Why don't you come put your voice in this stuff, and, and we'll pay you. It's like, all right, <laughs> sweet. I like this. Um, whereas now it's are. much more like, it's much more structured and much more like, this is what we do, and you have to do this, which is fine, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's I kind of miss the old Wild West. 
<laughs> Eventually, even the Wild West was settled. So exactly, exactly. So, well, I guess that's the best way to put it. Put it. <laughs> it's time to get into the uh, tsunami-related questions because we are the Tsunami Faithful Podcast, after all. Yeah, of um, course. I'm uh, sure she's. Uh, I'm sure she uh, is giddy over this, just like all of our <laughs> <probably>. other guests. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, first question in relation to tsunami. Um, if you've seen tsunami, which I'm sure you have. What are your mm-hmm. favorite shows on it currently? Whether they be yours or not yours. I feel Pastor bad Bruce. saying my shows. You know what I mean? Like, right. I love all of my shows. I love Soul Eater. I love, I love all of those shows, but I do feel bad saying those shows. It's like a cop-out. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly what's on right now because I don't have cable right now. Uh, is Bebop on? Uh, no, it isn't. Not anymore. Oh. What's yeah. on right now? I don't even know. Isn't this horrible? Oh, I know gotta... Dandy's on, and I like Dandy, but that's technically, I guess, one of my shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a pass on it, because Space Dandy's awesome. Uh, yeah. Space Dandy, Bleach, um, Naruto, Shippuden. And the original. Yep, and the original. Um, Sword Art Online, um, One Piece, Soul Eater. Uh, Inuyasha. Inuyasha. Star Wars The Clone Star Wars. Wars. The Clone I can't Wars. believe you. I can't believe even you struggle with that, Paul. You're the Samurai Jack. <laughs> hey, I wasn't even finished yet. Jesus. <laughs> Samurai Jack. Oh, God, I love that show. Uh, I love Samurai Jack. I didn't realize he was on Tsunami. I like him. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, um, for s- quick sidetrack, CJ I could do this too. Um, <laughs> apparently, they were able to get Samurai Jack back on the block, which excites many people because, well, Everybody, one of the things that people wanted when Toonami came back was Samurai Jack, so. Yeah, it's a great show. I love that show. So, so yeah, that's probably be my favorite. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> that's there probably go. be we my favorite. It. There we I'm go. Unfortunately, I haven't seen, like, I'm in One Piece, and then I'm, I'm on the writing team for Dandy, so I feel like I can't say them. <laughs> and then the other shows that you mentioned, like Naruto, I've seen an episode or two, and it's good, but I don't know the whole story, and I haven't seen Bleach, and I haven't seen, um... What was the other one? Oh, Inuyasha. I've seen episodes, of course, uh, but I haven't seen the whole show. It's that's an investment of time. I'm not ready to take on right now. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I'd say Samurai Jack then is probably my favorite, besides the ones that I work on. We also have Ghost in the Shell and um, IGPX. IGPX. Yes, I don't want to miss those because I know they'll be sitting there going, "I'm gonna kill you." (laughs) I do. I do really love Ghost in the Shell too. That's one of the first. The original was one of the first anime that my brother got me into because my brother uh, was way into anime before I even knew that I was going to be a voice actor. So he <laughs> started watching Dragon Ball and then started getting into um, Akira and Ghost in the Shell and all that stuff. And I would watch it with him. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So Ghost in the Shell, I do dig too. That's a good one. There we go. Second question is tsunami related. Um, well, I, I don't know if you can answer this because you don't, because you're not watching it currently. But what what do you think of Toonami currently? Well, I suck because I don't have cable right now. But I am at a lot of conventions, so I do get to watch it when I'm at conventions. Uh, we were at one recently, and uh, Ian and them were live tweeting Dandy, so I got to watch a little bit of of Toonami. Um, I'm just happy that it's back. I'm mean, I'm happy that that people got the word out and that they listened. Um, that it's back, that it gives us another outlet for this medium. And it's funny, 
like since Two Mommies Comeback, I found that, you know, when I talk to the general public about what I do, a lot of people are like, oh, do you speak Japanese? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like Dragon Ball? Yeah. You know, like, and that's <laughs> all of they know of mm-hmm. anime. Whereas now it seems like with Toonami, oh, you mean that stuff they play on Saturday nights on Cartoon Network? I'm like, yes, that! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at least you have a better understanding, and it seems to be a little more mainstream than it was. And that's always, I know, like, a lot of anime fans don't want it to go mainstream, but it actually helps because the more mainstream it is, the more you get. You know what I mean? And the accessibility to it is greater. And, so I think that Tsunami's yeah. been great in that they've kind of opened that door. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and you know, I think a lot of us, like, I know Jim said this is a couple times, and I happen to agree with it, is with Tsunami coming back and putting on as much anime as it has, it's actually re-energized. Rejuvenated, re-energized the industry, I think. I don't know if you think that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally do. Because, I mean, like, there was a while back, I don't even know the exact years, but there were a few years there where we were scared. You know what I mean? Like, we were genuinely scared because things started to kind of peter off and nobody knew what the next move was going to be. You know, ADV Mm -hmm. kind of went, like, everything just kind of dissipated. And for those of us that had kind of made it our career, it was a very scary time. And so now to see it kind of rejuvenated, the industry's rejuvenated, tsunamis come back, like it's just been, it just feels much better. I feel like I can breathe now. Well, (laughs) it's really kind of funny because not only did it do that to the anime industry, it actually made Adult Swim a lot better. And because of that, you know, and I I think it's not all because of tsunami, obviously, but I think it it really helped now that, um, and obviously we're recording this way before it's going to be in the podcast, but um, you know, they're going to go to 8 PM. So it's actually giving them another hour, adult swim, another hour. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all of us, I'm sure at the podcast are sitting here going, can you give us the 11 o'clock now? We're licking our chops <laughs> yeah. at this point, especially with some of the big shows that have come out uh, last spring. I mean, I really, oh, yeah. I really feel bad for Jason DeMarco because he's probably sitting there going, oh, I'm going to get so many questions now. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to listen to this interview. And he's going to be like, yes, yes, Paul. I don't like myself right now. <laughs> oh, well, now he'll know how, like, Sean Semmel and Chris Babbitt feel with the Battle of the Gods question. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. I feel his pain. Oh, maybe we should talk about that off the podcast. Hmm. Anyways. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. It maybe. would be interesting. <laughs> um, so let's move on because we got we got three more questions, and then we got to get to the – people that have actually asked questions, which by the way, by the way, people, if you ask questions, we will actually ask the person. So please next time ask questions as best we can. Hey, we did it last week for a couple weeks ago for EJ Rivera. Right. So, So, yeah. um, Okay. We got three more questions left. One of them is another tsunami question. Um, And I think this is a good question because I I don't think we usually ask this a lot, but now that tsunamis is pretty much cemented in so far on adult swing. Mm -hmm. um, If there's, one show that you've been in or you've directed or whatever uh, that you've been involved in, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, what would, and you want it on Toonami, what would that be and why would you want it on Toonami? Michiko and Hudson. Okay. Yes, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that. I would want Michiko and Hudson on Toonami. I don't understand why it's not on Toonami right now. I think that it's probably, I mean, I've worked on a lot of anime, you guys, and I have no qualms in saying that there's a lot of good anime out there, and there's a lot of fluff. 
I was very pleasantly surprised when Michiko and Hatsune came out and when I started working on it. It's not only got great character designs, you've got some of the team from Cowboy Bebop, but it's got great music, it's got great animation, and it's got, most importantly, a great story, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I think is just, we need to take those shows that have those really great, strong stories and really support them and show the animators in, in Japan and the creative teams in Japan, like, this is what we want. Harem shows are great, but give them a storyline, you know? <laughs> um, and I think that Michiko and Hachi, it's just such a great show. And I think that it, it does what I think a lot of the shows on Tsunami do, which is it kind of goes past just the anime thing. Like, I think that somebody that is like, hey, I'm going to sit down and watch some anime on Tsunami with my friends that don't watch any anime. You know, they can watch a Cowboy Bebop and be like, whoa, that's rad. And they can watch a Michiko and Hachin and not feel like they're watching something that's going to put them off. You know what I mean? It's more welcoming to a Western audience, I feel like, too. Right. Uh, but I just think it would fit the vibe, too. See, you, know? it's See, you have some, you have a voice actress asking for a show, so you got to put Yes! <laughs> Me so hot and put it on! I, I can see, I can hear him, like, I could see, like, an email coming to me that says, shut up, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> It really is a good Jason, show. And by the way, for the record, Jason never emails me, but I could see him emailing me in this case and being like, I hate you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Just given the I'm well, that would be Well, that would be my one, definitely. <laughs> okay. So. All right, so let's get with these two <laughs> questions here. Let's finish up with these two questions. Sure. Um, are there any other particular shows that you would recommend our listeners check out? And I guess we have to eliminate Michiko and Hachin right Hachin. now. She, right. Already did it. she already campaigned for it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot. I mean, a lot of the shows that have been coming out recently, I have really, really enjoyed. Maria Hollick is one that is wacky and crazy, and it's Jessica Calvello who played Excel, and I um, yes. play the two leads. and. I get to play, I get to do so many different voices in the show, it's not even funny, and I had such a great time. Um, that one, Kokoro Connect, is another really good show. It's more of a of a touching show than it is a comedy, but uh, that one I really enjoyed. Some of the older stuff, uh, there's a show called Corral, Phantom Memories. It's an older show. Uh, I think it was done by Bones, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous story and a really really great show that i don't think anybody's seen um and then there's this fun project we did which i just reminded i was just reminded of the other day called a fistful of fuku and i think you can rent it on like amazon and it's like a a a crazy like japanese uh movie like an old movie about a chick that works in a ramen shop, but Matt Greenfield completely rewrote it and we redubbed it kind of ghost story style, but he actually yes. scripted it. And so it's it's really crazy and funny. Um, and that's a live action. There's just so much. <laughs> Those would probably be my top, so. Okay. Because I don't think anybody's seen, especially Corral and Fistful of Google. I don't know if anybody's ever seen those. Hmm. Well, you should watch Ghost Stories when they re-release that, too. <laughs> yes, Ghost Stories is fun, too. Definitely fun. That one's crazy. Love it. Gregor's <laughs> <laughs> favorite dub of all time. <laughs> it, it was either it that was, or back. That one was fun to do, man. I tell you what, we enjoyed that 
whole situation because we knew that it might never happen again. Like, how often is somebody going to give you creative license over their show and be like, yeah, do whatever you want with it? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, sweet. Are you sure whatever we want? <laughs> All right. You said we could do it. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Anything? But, yeah, totally. Okay, so, it we're going to so do, we're going to have swearing in it. We're going to have uh, killing in it. Um, we're gonna yeah. have. Oh, oh no, 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 well, no, Paul, you don't know. Like, it, tell him, Monica. You could tell him so oh, much than I could. Well, we would like. Okay, we kept the names of the characters, but we changed everything else. So, like, my character was a psychic in the original, and we changed her to this like really devout, born again Christian, <laughs> but like crazy style. And so then, like, the nerdy boy that hung out with them, we turned him into the little Jewish boy because she would have somebody to fight with. And, like, just the little poor little brother had the worst flaps ever, so he would just speak incoherently most of the time. Um, the cat became this really dirty, foul-mouthed cat because it was voiced by Rob Mungle, who's a very blue comedian. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it was just, it was insanity, and it was fun because we got to break down the fourth wall. So if there was English or something, we would read the English out loud and be like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> or if flaps were moving too fast, we'd have lines that were like, oh, my God, I can't believe my mouth is moving this fast. What's wrong with me? Uh, like, we got to break down that fourth wall, and that's what was fun and kind of poked fun at ourselves, too, which is a lot of fun. It's a good show. It's an experience, that's for sure. But if you're easily offended by anything... Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> All right, let's get to the last question, and then we'll get into some of the fan questions. Um, this is a good question that we always ask uh, the voice actresses and voice actors that come on. Uh, what words of advice do you have for someone interested in pursuing a voice acting or audio production career? Well, as far as audio production, I don't know what to tell you on that one. You'd probably be better off talking to one of the engineers or somebody like that. But mm -hmm. with voice acting, um, I would say probably my biggest my biggest piece of advice would be to, to act. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people that are like, I want to be a voice actor. And I'm like, well, have you, you, know, have you tried taking any acting classes or do you have any acting experience? <clears throat> oh, no, I don't want to be an actor. Well, you can't Acting's be a voice title. actor if you're not an actor because that's like the adjective to the noun. <laughs> like you can't, you can't be a, a voice actor if you're not an actor. So I think that's the main thing is uh, go and, and get some experience. It doesn't have to be like you don't have to be on film or in some giant stage somewhere. All you have to do is local stuff um, and play around. So like I can't tell you. I, I'm sure I look like an idiot driving between Houston and Dallas all the time because I'll just play around with my voice. I'll see what kind of silly things my voice can do. Um, and I'm making faces and funny voices, but a lot of the voices that I've used, that's where they come from. So you got to figure out what your instrument, your voice can do and, and kind of go from there. So, so get acting and, and get on the road and, and make funny voices. <laughs> Acting! <laughs> Acting! And funny voices for the win. That's what I say. <laughs> Acting! So. All right. Uh, boy. Well, that's so. it for our uh, for our questions. Uh, let's get into some of the uh, Toonami Talkback questions. Uh, reminder, okay. guys, if we do get somebody at, for an interview, if you 
tweet us or put on Facebook your question, we may read it. So, mm-hmm. you know, next, if yours doesn't, if you forgot to do it or you didn't, sorry, you're out of luck. Or if you're rude, me. because we don't have time for rude people like you. People <laughs> yeah. who are rude. I don't see anything rude this time, so I think we're good. Good, good, good. because nobody's rude to Monica. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Mofo. She's too don't sweet be to be rude to, rude to Yeah, Thank she's you. too sweet to be rude to. Um, why don't we, let me Jim, see. why don't we get into that first question, because Monica had said before we started recording um, about mm-hmm. the Space Dandy question there that was asked. Oh, yeah. Yes. So uh, from Blatch Zero, that's the one, right? Yes. I've noticed that each episode of Space Dandy so far has had a different writer. Was that something that was intentionally planned for the simuldub process? And see, this is a good question. That's why I wanted to make sure we addressed it. Is because none of us, none of the writers have really gotten to speak. Well, none of us have really gotten to speak out about Dandy at all. But especially, especially <laughs> It's before the con season. <laughs> right. So it's, especially with the writers and stuff, it's like, you know, uh, we don't get to explain our side of the situation or what we, what we're doing. So what it is is basically with this simulcast, because it goes so fast, like we normally have anywhere from a week to two weeks to adapt one episode, right, of animation or of anime. So like for me with Fairy Tale, I will do one episode a week, and then my other writers do one episode a week, and then as lead writer, I gather them all together and I go through them all and make sure that they all are coherent and they sound like the same characters, and it goes into the booth. With Dandy, because it is on such a, a quick schedule, and we get in. Sometimes it depends, but we'll get in like almost in a week. That's pretty quick. We're we're writing episodes. And I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this. We're writing episodes in two days. Whoa! So the amount of time in which we're writing is severely truncated. Like it's a lot faster. As a result, because it is such a high turnaround, we couldn't have just one person write it. Like there's just no way. Like that poor person would just be <laughs> insane by the end of two weeks. So what John Bergmeier did, who's the head writer, is he came up with the idea of creating a team. So we have what's called the Space Dandy team. And the Space Dandy team is uh, myself and Jamie Markey and Patrick Seitz and Bonnie Clinkenbeard. And we're all, all three of us are, are lead writers, which means that we're kind of editors and writers. Um, and then Patrick's just awesome. So mm-hmm. it's our job because we all have kind of the same style. We have kind of the same comedic timing. We have kind of the same style of writing. So we go through and we write each episode and we, we read each other's episodes. So we're aware of what the other writers have been doing. And then John acts as our, as our lead writer. He's the, the last guy that goes through and says, you know, does a like overhaul to make sure it sounds like they're all done in the same voice. So like if there's no, uh, you know, meow doesn't sound different from episode one to episode four. You want to make sure that your characters stay very much the same, even though you have four writers. So it's common for a show to have several writers and then have a lead writer that kind of oversees the whole thing and makes sure everything is sounds correct. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's also up to the director too when they're in the booth to make sure that there's no, you know, they're not using terms they wouldn't normally use or they're not saying things that they wouldn't normally say. So, but yeah, right. so we don't have as much time. Otherwise, it'd be great if one person could write it, but that's just... That, <laughs> that person would be superhuman. Super <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and the only I'm person the I could think person. of... The only person I could think of doing that would probably be Tatum, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think right. you'd be doing right. that. Which... Well, and then, I mean, you know, it's Space Dandy, and I love Dandy, but he's not particularly smart. 
and Tatum writes everything for very smart people. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. I don't know. I don't know how Dandy would sound with like you know six syllable words coming out of his mouth. <laughs> six syllable words, tortured syntax, and you know, right. Victorian, which is if, exactly. knowing Tatum how I do, that'd be him. <laughs> exactly, it'd be a different take. That's for sure. So. Exactly. But yeah, that's the story behind Dandy. It's it's actually worked out really well, and we really enjoyed it. And uh, Jamie and I are really good friends, so we're constantly like bouncing ideas off of each other. And um, I really looked out with episode four. I, I love writing <laughs> zombie stuff, and it was so incredibly funny. Um, and then I think I pick up again with episode eleven. I had a little while where I wasn't writing because I was going to conventions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I think I pick it back up with episode 11 so yeah you'll see them vary from week to week but it's always going to be one of those four people right the continuity has been really good you know yeah. so far with the writing so that's awesome um, that's so, our yes. goal like we try to keep in touch with one another and you know if there is anything that we have questions with then we'll contact one another uh, we all mm. know each other so it's not like you know anybody's on the outside going hello hello <laughs> um and Zon's also awesome. He's a great he's a great uh, boss to have, and he's really good at at uh, at what he does. So right, awesome. <laughs> um, let me, Jim, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask uh, two questions from Facebook. Um, Go right ahead. Yeah, oh, you got at, the, you get the Facebook questions. I get the Twitter questions. I was going to awesome. say, why don't you select like three more from Twitter, and that's that'll be it yeah. for that. Yeah. Um. So the two questions I selected from Facebook. Uh, the first one is mm-hmm. from. Uh, Dylan Bullock, he asks, if you could redo one role you've done, what would it be and why? Oh. Yeah, I thought this was Ooh, good one. question. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> what role? Uh, you know what? I'd probably go back. Ooh, I don't know. Part of me would want to go back and do my very first lead role, which was Miharu and Gasaraki, just because I know so much more now than I did back then. I mean... Like, I didn't even know. My first line in that show was to scream no, and I spent 45 minutes not wanting to scream because I'd never been in front of a microphone and had to scream before. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. I was so green that I wish I could take the the knowledge I have now and go back and do it. Um, but at the same time, there's something about it just being what it was at the time that's kind of cool. Um Probably, you know what show I would love to dub again just because it was such a great experience was Princess Nine, and that's a show that not mm. a lot of people have seen, but it's a show that's about a girls' baseball team, but it's not so much about the baseball team as it is about the girls, if that makes right. sense. And it's just a really, really good show with great character relationships. That one or Razafon? Razafon was another one. Ah, oh, Razafon. I love that show. Uh, I, love I watched show 20 so episodes of that in a day once when I was on summer break. I wish I had Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know, right? It hurts because uh, we waited until David Williams got the last disc, and we did what was called a Rosathon. We a watched Rosathon. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we watched the whole thing in one day, and oh. I love that show. I will watch it whenever, but uh, my head hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is too much for one day. So anybody listening, if you decide to watch Rosathon, I commend you, but please do not do it all in one day. <laughs> so yeah, those would probably be mine. The first one, Princess Nine and Rosathon. See, I found another good question for you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and then Bring the other, the other uh, Facebook question is uh, from John Yunland. I hope I got that. It's U-N-L-A-N-D. 
Hopefully I got that right. I'm assuming. Yes. That sounds right. Unlind, whatever. Um, what is the most rewarding thing about voice acting? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, see, we're firing some good ones at you here. Yeah. The most rewarding thing. Yeah, our fans um, are very smart. Yes, you guys are very smart. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> I'm also now at a loss for words. The most well, I'd say always, like, getting to do the, the characters, for one, like, getting to portray the characters is, is so, so rewarding, because it's like, these are such, some of them are such tortured characters, and some of them are such funny characters, and they're unlike anything that you'd get, like, say, on film, or uh, on stage, or whatever, so just getting the opportunity to kind of voice these obscure characters is super rewarding. Um, and for me, I think also but going to the conventions afterwards, like, you know, when you're on stage or you're in a film, like you automatically, you do your job and people go, Hey, that was awesome. Or they go see your movie and go, wow, that was great. But with anime, we don't really get that. Like we go in and we kind of put your, your soul and your heart on the line and then hope that maybe somebody out there saw it and enjoyed it. So it's really rewarding when you have people come up to you and they're like, hey, you know that thing you did? It really it really affected me. It really changed my life. It's like, oh, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So special. Um, but the job itself is what's rewarding because we're getting to, you get to put yourself in a completely different mindset and a completely different place and bring to life this character. But granted, somebody's already brought to life once before and done a very good job and the Japanese, so it's your job to kind of breathe your own life into it. You know what I mean? Like, not to just regurgitate their performance or reenact their performance, but give your own take on the character. Um, and that can be very rewarding as well right. as an actor. It's a fun experience. Right. Woo, good questions. Oh, my gosh, I'm having to think. Whoa! I know. See, see I actually do good interviewing, okay? I do it. I- <laughs> You know, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, keep tooting Y'all that horn awesome. there, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Jim. <laughs> it's just because I have such a good partner with me interviewing. <laughs> hey, helps to have the helps hey. to have the guy with a bachelor's in journalism. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yep, that's me. All right, so three so, more questions. Yes. Sure, sure. All from Twitter. So from Faye at Faye's Daniel. Monica, what one anime dub role did you you did truly reflects your characteristics in real life and why? Oh, that grammar makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I'd say, so basically, like, what character I'm, I most relate to, kind of, is that basically, that's basically, right? Um, yeah, which one, which one I, is basically the same as, like, how yeah, like, life? As me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What character have I played that is? the same as me, the closest to me. There's a couple. Uh, there's uh, Tamayo in a show called Angelic Lair, who's this really kind of uh, loud, obnoxious, high-pitched girl who announces when she has to pee. Uh, that's a lot like me. Uh, <laughs> let's see, who else? I think Renge probably sounds the most like me, because every time I go to a convention, I get people come up to me and going, oh my god, you sound just like Renge. And I'm like, yeah, it was a stretch. Uh, as far as, like, personality-wise, I think that the character that I felt closest to while I was recording with Haruka and Razapan, um, I was the same age as she was. I kind of had the same haircut. Mm. Uh, it was with Chris Patton, and he and I have this long history of friendship together. And so it was like, 
I really felt connected to her. She has a lot of quirks to her personality that are very similar to me. So she's probably the one that I related to the most. Mm -hmm. From at Argod55, what are the hardest roles you've done both emotionally and physically? Ooh. Ew. Well, emotionally, I'd say that kind of goes back to the question you asked earlier, like with Kirika, um, yeah. you know, emotionally having to get into that. Um, or even like Generator Gall, I had a very emotional scene at the end, and I was a new voice actor. It was only like my second show. So there were some mic technique issues because I got really into character and started crying and snotting all over the microphone. And they were like, uh, honey, you might need to pull back a little bit. I'm like, oh, oh, sorry. Um, so, yeah, emotionally, you know, those those were, those were a little rougher. Um, as far as voice-wise, oh, Lero. Lero and D. Gray Man hurts so bad sometimes <laughs> he does he does like this voice so the whole time he's like little, little, little. and i remember there was one time i would record it at okratron 5000 which is chris sabbath's studio and i'm good friends with all this guy so i was recording and lira was doing this countdown where he's like one little little two little little and i was just going on in the background while this scene was happening and i just kept going and going and i was like 45, little, little. I'm like, ow, what is happening? And I look at the camera, because they have a camera to show you what's going on in the studio, and Chris and Raleigh's engineer and all these people are just laughing. And I'm like, oh, you jerks. And Chris <laughs> is like, yeah, you only had to go to like 10 lira, lira. <laughs> like, oh. So that one hurt. Um, Bulma for a little while, Bulma on Dragon Ball Z Kai, she yelled so much. <laughs> She yelled at Krillin and Goku so much. Sometimes that would get a little rough. But mm -hmm. other than that, my chords are pretty – I need to knock on some wood. My chords are pretty strong. Like, I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've, been, I've been good in that I haven't really lost my voice too much or done anything too mm -hmm. damaging. Yeah. Mirror Unlike, Satan's soul, I think, mm -hmm. can, can kill me sometimes, but that's about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unlike poor Jessica Calvello has excel. <laughs> Well, that role, holy moly, I've never, <laughs> I've never. <laughs> I remember auditioning for that show, and Matt pulled up the scene that happened to have both Excel and Hyatt in it, and Excel started talking, and I went, no. <laughs> no, because, oh, no, you're auditioning for the other one. I'm like, oh, God, thank goodness, because no. <laughs> okay, and yeah. the one, yeah. And yeah. Along, the last question from Dragonlord1975. That's a manly name. Yes. It is. Ooh, I think I felt my voice drop another octave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I feel like I must read this as Patrick Stewart. Who among your fellow VAs do you love to work with? <laughs> I like that. You kind of sound like Tatum. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I've hung around him enough. <laughs> Um, gosh, who don't I like to work with? I know that sounds like such a cop-out, but it's not. I mean, we so rarely get to see each other when you're a voice actor. You, we all, since we all work individually, that whenever we have, like, a commentary or whatever, uh, it's like a big old party. I will say that there are certain actors that, like, if I know that they're coming in to record before me or if I know that they're coming in after me, um, it makes my job a lot easier because I do know them so well. So, for example, like on Bodacious Space Pirates, um, I played Gruyere, like the cheese. 
I can't say it. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I didn't have to say my own name. And uh, Lucy was the main character. So it was very easy for me to go in and do my lines, even though she wasn't there, because it's Lucy. I know how she's going to read her lines. I can hear her in my head. So it was very easy for me to kind of go through and do the scene and just imagine Lucy was there. Um, same thing with, like, Colleen or Chris Patton or Jamie, like, all these people that, you know, are really good friends of mine. IRL, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's really easy for me to get into the booth and, and work with them. As far as like being a director and working with them, everybody's so great. All, honestly, like I said, Todd's amazing. He would just do pages and pages and pages of Hollick at a time and just blow my mind every time. Um, yeah. But probably one of my absolute favorites is uh, Kent Williams. Have y'all ever met Kent Williams? Uh, no, I haven't met Kent. I haven't met Kent Williams. He's re- he's like the nicest guy ever. He usually he does a lot of the voice of God stuff. Um, but he is just the nicest guy. And he also has this uncanny ability to like take a breath and talk for like five minutes straight. He's like a real life anime character. He doesn't need to breathe. So as a director, he was awesome because I would just go in there and it always sounded lovely and relaxing. It was like, oh, Kent. So nice. <laughs> you know, his characters are always the ones that are just calm and serious. It's like, oh, yay. And then Josh Green would come in and play Kenichi, and everything would be all loud and yelly. <laughs> he was awesome, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like a cop-out, but I really do. I mean, like, it's such a great community. And even, like, going to conventions and meeting the other voice actors from all over. But like, I've not met a voice actor I didn't like. Um, <laughs> and we really do enjoy each other's company. And, and it's such a small like kind of niche group of, of actors. So mm-hmm. we get to know each other pretty well. And um, I really do just to kind of enjoy everybody, you know, they're good peeps, mm. good peeps. Yeah. I have a feeling that uh, if a voice actor was a jerk to other people, that word would get around very fast. <laughs> so. Yeah. I have a feeling of that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, I mean, like I don't, I've not met anybody that was like a total jerk. Everybody's been really, really cool. If I have met jerks, they're not anime related. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I have met plenty of jerks, but they're not anime related. So. Right. Um, but it is cool because it is kind of, you know, like I said, it's just a weird kind of situation where there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of us. So you get to know everybody pretty well. So it's All right. funny. It's a fun yeah. deal. Alrighty. Well, thank you for uh, joining us tonight, Monica. Um, if you well, could... thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, if you could uh, just tell people where they can find you, like, you know, social media and your website, possibly. Oh, anything yeah. You well, want. I'm... Anything you want. I'm working... <laughs> I'm working on my website. I actually have the domain, but it, there's nothing there yet. But that's going to be, and it sounds so snotty, and I didn't mean it to be. Basically, there's a girl in Argentina named Monica Real who's like a designer or something. So I couldn't <laughs> get MonicaReal.com. So I got TheMonicaReal.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this poor lady's going to hate me. So it's basically www.TheMonicaReal.com. And that will go live at some point. And then I have on Twitter, I'm at Realism, so at R-I-A-L-I-S-M-S. And then on Facebook, I have a group that is run by some lovely people. And um, that is www.facebook backslash groups backslash Realists, R-I-A-L-I-S-T-S. 
Um, and I try to get on there and check in as much as I can. I definitely read everything, but I'm on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot. So are we. <laughs> yes, yeah, so are we. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how this all worked out. Woo! <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. And, and yeah, let's do this again sometime. Uh, well, thank you, Monica, for being on. And guys, we'll be right back with the podcast. Woo! All right, well, we're back from the interview. What do you guys think? She is a delight. (laughs) Yeah, Sketch actually got to talk to her. Well, barely got to talk to her because he came home. Very briefly. Yeah, it's very briefly. I was sitting there like, I was like, oh, Sketch is going to miss this. And then he came on just as she was about to leave. And I was like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's okay, you bastards. It's okay. Just go cry in the corner, Jarrell. It's fine. Hey, I don't cry, man. <laughs> I go and drink. Yeah, whatever. Um, so before we get into our sign-outs and before we tell you where you people can find us, uh, I just wanted to briefly say real quick, um, we are going to be going to MomoCon, as Jose announced on our Toonami Faithful Podcast Twitter page at Toonami Podcast. So basically what we're looking for is for you guys to help us out. Um and the best way to help us out is the link that we have up, which is tsunamifaithful.com slash donate. Uh, basically, anything that you donate to us is basically going to help us fund our projects there at MomoCon. Um, that's the main focus of the cons that are coming up. So if you guys could help us out, like again, it's tsunamifaithful.com slash donate. Or if you want one of our wonderful podcast shirts as Darrell and Sketch, I believe, Colt, you have one as well, don't you? What? Don't you have a Toonami Faithful podcast shirt? Uh. Yeah, well, sh- sh- don't tell anybody about that because you might get jumped. Um. <laughs> um yeah, I'm surprised about that too. Um. So, if you guys want that instead of you know not getting anything for donating money, it's uh tsunamifaithful.bandcamp.com/slash/merch. Uh, that is our shirt. It is ten dollars. I lowered the price again so that you guys could buy the shirt for cheap. Um, it will stay on that for a while because I want you guys to uh, help us out as much as you can, because again, the more money that you can give us, the, the better content that we can bring you because it's not, it's not cheap to do some of these things as we found out. So, uh, that's my spiel on donating. So none of you kill me and, uh, sketch, where can they find all of us? Where can they find us on the internet? Where can they find the podcast? Oh, well, you can find our fine podcast. On Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher. So please rate and review the podcast on... And subscribe. And subscribe. And especially on iTunes. That's that's really yes. still the most important one. Yes, it is. That's the very most important one. You can <laughs> also... we are religious on Zoom. Oh, God. Yes, we, well, we are religious still around. <laughs> on Xbox Music. Yes. Have we actually gotten confirmation from somebody that we're still on there? I was trying to look it up on my uh, on my Windows 8, 
because it has yeah. the same UI, but I, I couldn't find it. So maybe I'm sure not. it's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I was like, wait, this isn't a religious organization. Deleted. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Toonami faithful. Because oh, Toonami oh, Occult oh. was already taken. <laughs> wait, Toonami Cult? Oh, I see where you went with that, sir. And there's nothing. What, what, Colt, are you going to speak or what? I, I can speak. The, the, the joke writes itself. What do you want me to say? <laughs> data monkey, you were supposed to speak. Bad data monkey. No banana for you now. Corner. Corner. <laughs> Human resources mean after this. Yep. No, oh, we already established that. Okay. So, also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Tumblr. Yeah. Like us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Toonami Faithful Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handle is at Toonami Podcast. And also follow us on Tumblr, which is Toonami Faithful Official.tumblr.com. Our question got asked a couple weeks ago. Anyways, um, quit, and then you can... quit winking off to that, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you hey, can also guys... visit podcast.toonamifaithful.com for all of the episodes of the podcast. So I think it's time to get out of here, gentlemen. Um, Colt, where can they find you? Oh, the only place they can find me is on Twitter at, at, at AmbientVirus, although simple internet search can ascertain some other details. I'm still waiting for someone to eventually find that and send me hate mail. Although, without Jim, we, I couldn't have done something else, but that took us three hours. So, AmbientVirus, folks. You can also find him on Battlestar Galactic. Galactica, he's a fucking sideline. <laughs> oh, God. And Darrell, <laughs> I don't really know what else other references I can make to the whole robot joke. And Darrell gets stabbed after the podcast. It's okay. Wouldn't be the first time. Oh, God. Won't be the last. <laughs> oh, Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, and Darrell, where can they find your lovely ass? Oh, you can find that right here in my lovely bedroom. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Bro, we talked me. about this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Corner. Maybe later. Okay, Don't you can find me at ukami7.tumblr.com or you can find me on Twitter at ukami underscore samurai7 at twitter.com and if you want to send me hate mail because I know you're scared, you can send that to derailmaddox at tsunamifaithful.com <laughs> Yeah, they wet themselves every time they try to email you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sketch, your turn. Many pants were wetted. <laughs> Many pants Much were scandalous. Wetted. <laughs> Chesticles. Chesticles. Oh, God. Okay, the best way to keep up with me is to follow me at Sketch1984 on Twitter. You can also tumble with me, sketch1984.tumblr.com. And you can ask me stupid questions on ask.fm backslash sketch1984. And please give me your comments and questions and what have you about the podcast at my Toonami Faithful email, sketch at ToonamiFaithful.com. Sweet. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Pascrillo. My last name is spelled P-E-S-C-R-I-L-O. You can also find me on Tumblr. It's paulpascrillo.tumblr.com. Uh, I will be actually posting a review of Sora Online after next week's episode, so uh, look forward for that. And... Um, my email on the website, if you guys want to talk to me, is paulpascrillo at tsunamifaithful.com. No so, way. shut up, Darrell. Um, so, if that's it, we're going to get out of here, guys. Thanks for another great episode with me, Sketch, and Darrell, and 
I guess, cult. Um, <laughs> Stop that. You're perpetuating. You're perpetuating. Anyways, we're we out here, cult. guys. We love cult. Yes, I do love cult. We might have to have him on for a sort of discussion. Anyways. Yes. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> shut up, Data Monkey. But anyways, it's time to get out of here, guys. So see you next week. Peace. We're out. Doses. Hello? Is this Monica? No, it's not. Yes, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hello. Yeah, this is my real voice. <laughs>